Welcome to Matter of Fat Considers. What are we considering? Cat, what haven't we been considering? <laughs> With this, we have been considering this show for months and months and months and months. It is, dare I say it, the basis for us creating these funny, goofy little spinoff episodes where we break down a show based on, I mean, literally whatever we want, but we add our lens as a matter of fact. So do you do you want to tell the people what we're considering today, what I've been uh, building up here? Yes, Soraya, I sure do. Okay, y'all, if you've listened or plan to listen to season four of Matter of Fat, our body positive podcast with Midwest Sensibilities, you have been accosted with our musings <laughs> on the 15 full seasons of the hit series Criminal Minds. Oh my God. So deep in the winter and pandemic funk of early 2021, I decided to embark on a fateful first watch of the show. Kat had seen it before, but started it up again, and we both quickly became consumed with the many, many episodes that encompass the American police crime procedural classic, Criminal Minds. Okay, consumed is right. Surreya was deep, and then I caught up and kind of surpassed her, and then <laughs> spent a surprising <laughs> amount of time talking about Criminal Minds on uh, season four episodes of Matter of Fat. So we finally decided we should take the appropriate course of action and dedicate a whole episode to the show. So yes, while this isn't the most like prolific or well-researched podcast on Criminal Minds, like truly it isn't because my memory is like awful at this point, it will give you kind of the lay of the Criminal Minds land and include lots of hot takes, like some even as a matter of fact, as we are wont to do. Whether you are an avid Criminal Minds watcher or really have no idea what the show is about... It's time to deliver the profile. Okay, so our intro is very cheeky because Criminal Minds is all about psychological profiles of serial killers or like criminals. And it focuses on the FBI's behavioral analysis unit, affectionately referred to as the BAU. And so uh, not only does this show focus on horrific atrocities, it truly lures you in with like heartwarming and ludicrous relationships amongst all the BAU agents. And they always talk about delivering the profile. Yeah. And so that's why we really wanted to dive into this. So I, I guess like we watched 15 seasons, Kat. Like where would like, be a good place to start? These are meaty seasons, y'all. These are <laughs> long seasons. These are 42 minute episodes. Like this, like we've dedicated so much time to watching this show. And I'll tell you one thing. It is not the like crime or the serial killers or the, like the propaganda of it all that has really like lured us in. It is the characters. We love yeah. these 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 we are so invested in the fictional lives of the characters in the show. Some of whom span literally all 15 seasons and others yeah. who are there for a good chunk or a quick chunk within that. So I think mm -hmm. we just should probably quick hit like get kind of share all of the main characters on the show um yeah and then we can talk a little bit more about it that sounds good do you want to kick us off with the the like godfather of the, the show godfather mandy patenkin is oh, supervisory him. special agent jason gideon he is like the bau senior agent um and in the very first episode of the series he comes up because it's like 
he's coming back to the BAU after like something happened. Is he ready? Can he be back? Um, and so there's like a little bit of that that kind of spans the first couple episodes. But he really is. Um, he's one of the two people who created this. Well, in the lore of the show or the lore of the show, mm-hmm. he is one of the two people who created the BAU. Um and so that's why he is, I mean, calling him the godfather feels like a very apt way to describe that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And he's only around for a little bit. He leaves after a few seasons. You know where he so. leaves to? He leaves to go make Homeland, <laughs> a, a show just as meaty and just as suspenseful, dare I say, if not more. <laughs> Ugh, oh, my goodness. Okay, so if we're going to talk about, like, in the lore of the show, and also it's so interesting because, like, the BAU comes up in Hollywood shows quite a bit. Yeah. Like if you want to think about Mindhunter that released like during the pandemic and, you know, all these other shows that reference the, the like profiling teams um, that are out there. But uh, I think we should talk about this other character played by Joe Mantegna, who is supervisory special agent David Rossi, who was the counterpart to Gideon um, in creating the BAU within the yeah. FBI. And then he like comes in later after right. I think and leaves. Once once Gideon's gone, Rossi comes in. Um, and I, it's important so, for us. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because I just really want the people to know that, like, Cat yeah. is in love with David Rossi. Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> so in this year of me being very into, like, you know, in a very what's your name, who's your daddy sense, very happy to be attracted to people of all ages. Um <laughs> Something about David Rossi just really does it for me. And I quite like Mandy Patinkin. I had, so I watched Homeland first. I had an affinity to him in this like, you know, kind of guy in charge role. Um, And then when he left, I thought, oh, how will this ever be as good? But then in comes David Rossi. He loves to kiss people on the cheek. He loves to cook for the team. He loves to call people a jag off when he's really upset. (laughs) I just like him so much. (laughs) What's fun? And what's fun about these two characters when they're there respectively in their times is though they're the most senior agents, they're not actually the ones in charge of the unit. Right. Because Thomas Gibson plays supervisory special agent Aaron Hotch Hotchner, <laughs> who is the BAU unit chief. For, for most of the most series. Most of the series. Yes, yes, yes. And he is like, you know, you think about the stereotypical FBI agent. That's him. He is mm-hmm. always in a black and white suit. Mm-hmm. He has no range of emotion, seemingly, which is interesting in this type of, like, uh, line of work where it's just horrific things happening on a regular basis. And he is very much, like, by the book, going to do it the right way, and then also negotiating the gray areas that yeah. come up for all of the people in the in the unit. And, like, as is the case with all kinds of TV shows, like, his character gets more complicated as the seasons go on, you know, and we see a little bit of deviation, especially, like, when him, when his family is, like, kind of put on the line. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, for the most part, very buttoned up, very, like, calm, cool, collected, emotionless, like, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely that stereotype. Mm-hmm. And okay, so let's get into so another so this is an interesting character, if only because she's there for like a very short amount of time. But the BAU feels like very like macho, like like masculine mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so they have this character played by Lola Glaudini, uh supervisory special agent L Greenaway, who comes in as like 
Well, she has specialization in like sexual assault. Is that correct? And, I think like, so. Yeah. Abuse. And so she comes in as a counterpart and like to represent the small minority of women who are in uh, these types of units across the nation and specifically the FBI, I guess. But yeah, she's there for a short amount of time. Real short. Um, she's cool. Is she... Okay, I might be totally getting this wrong, but is she like Puerto Rican or something? I think they try to say that she like her character is Puerto Rican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but like, I mean, she's ha- not. Like, she yeah. like is half Puerto Rican. There's that. There are those like series of things where they. There's a couple times where she speaks Spanish. Um, yeah. And then they like, oh yeah, my mom's Puerto Rican or something like that. Is like she's a, from oh, that's New why York. I speak Spanish. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But but she has a very short run. So yeah, it's very much like all of season one, and then just like the very beginning of season two. And in the first episode, she's like, um, she's not actually part of the team yet. She's like on the a team that they work with, and and says mm-hmm. like, I really want to be part of the BAU. And then mm-hmm. it's, you know, episode two comes around, and there she is, part of the team. She got the job. They do her dirty though. They do her dirty. Also, time does not make any sort of sense oh, in this no. show. I mean, based on this show, you would think that there are being people killed every minute of every day by serial killers running rampant in our in our country. <laughs> um, and while I think that there are people being killed often, I don't think it's as often as the show leads us to believe. And if if the show does like follow a normal timeline saying like this happens, but only every like few months or so, then there's no way that so many seasons exist and they all are the age that they are like there's just right it doesn't make any sense but okay anyways yeah it's tv let's get into okay someone who lasted like a significant run of the series is shamar moore as supervisory Mm -hmm. special agent Mm -hmm. Derek morgan he is fine especially those early a young Derek morgan is just such a hottie i mean he's hot his whole life but man when he's young there is just something about that man uh-huh. And he is like when they introduce his character, he's very much like big shot FBI agent, like smooth ladies man. <laughs> and his special specialty is like getting in the mind of the killer. And like, especially in the first season, not so much yeah, later on, but he they, like tries to recreate the situations. <laughs> He'll climb through a window and be like, oh, I was the killer. What would I do? So and he like funny. walks around like it was so weird. And they really rely on those specializations like in the earlier seasons, and then it doesn't really mm-hmm. feel like that much of a thing as we move through the series but it is yeah it is just so funny <laughs> be like well i would move this way and well i would have to be a short man because blah 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 a very slight man or a woman, woman. To- <laughs> <laughs> right exactly yeah and, and that's just that it does add some interesting um components to to like when they're trying to figure stuff out but um yeah actually shamar moore left this show mid so i don't know it's like pretty it's over halfway through he leaves to make the show swat which uh, in turn i I would also recommend that this we fancy (laughs) that another like cop show that i think is just worth worth giving a a watch yeah this is just us like telling you other shows to watch besides criminal minds yeah i will also say like he is very flirty and flirtatious as like a character yeah but i feel like that's who he is as an actor too i agree i agree and we'll get to this later but there he is especially flirtatious with one team member more than the rest on this show Mm -hmm. which is like an on again not on again but a, no it's a pretty consistent storyline um that brings me great joy 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, if we were going to talk about specialties that do last throughout the duration, okay, yeah. we should talk about um, Matthew Gray Goobler's character, Dr. Spencer Reed, supervisory special agent, Dr. Spencer Reed. He is young, and yet mm-hmm. he has multiple doctorates. He's like this savant genius who knows so much, and they literally use him as a tool in the show so that they don't have to leverage, like, computers or knowing right. lots of things. So, like, they'll... <laughs> It's so silly because they'll be going to like a marina and they have to understand like how many boats would be docked there. And like Spencer's like, well, based on the geography and population, and there's probably like 333 boats there. And it's like, he's right. But like how? That doesn't make any sense. But his specialty is like geo profiling. So when they're trying to figure out where crimes were committed or something that's going on, he's usually the one to be like a cartographer. He has a map. He's like the map. With like the circles intersecting. What is that 90? Uh, degree tool that's used in a protractor no no it's like yeah you were talking about the circles right so like it's a metal tool that like creates a perfect circle when you draw it do you know what i'm talking about no anyways are we sure that's um, not called a protractor i thought a protractor was just a measuring tool maybe uh, you're right wow it's been a, mi- a minute since it i used does not it matters he not. certainly uses protractors he will like he'll have a map up and they'll be like well one murder took place here one here one here so these intersecting circles show us that he probably lives in this area and yes he's very much and the, the weather one patterns from El right. Nino. Like, <laughs> just like <laughs> you and, and he's a luddite like he doesn't mm-hmm. like technology he has no. to, oh he can read he's very a didactic memory is that what it was where he just no. remembers every single thing that he's ever seen um and he can recall it so it's just it's like he's also just a weirdo he's a yeah. real weirdo he's very attractive he has a cult following people love oh, Matthew yeah. Gay there's as something Matthew about there, I mean there's something about many of the people on this tv show that are just it's very alluring um and I will say that of the people we've mentioned this is the first character that's on this show the entire duration of the series so all mm-hmm. 15 seasons we should also mention that there has been like a little bit of scuttlebutt. I said it, Kat. I said scuttlebutt. Yeah. Um, about there being another season that they're going to reboot. A reboot. But, like, what we're talking about is truly the 15 seasons that came out and are done now. So. Yeah. I the 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 scuttlebutt about the reboot felt like it was really um like prominent on social media a while ago, but then there's been just so little. I mean, I've. I've been Googling and I haven't heard anything. If it does come out, it'll come out on Paramount Plus is what I mm-hmm. have ascertained. But that's about it. So I don't know. But Paramount Plus loves to do a buzz like with Frasier oh, and yeah. other stuff. Oh, so yeah. They love to do that. They're mm-hmm. talking a lot about the stuff that they can do. Um, yeah, I just want to see them do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about another supervisory special agent. AJ Cook plays Jennifer. JJ Giroux, JJ. the communications liaison. Yeah, and her she was like in the initial episodes or maybe even the initial first season, she has a little bit of a um smaller role because she is I don't we don't see as much of her, but she's the one who um communicates with like the media and communicates with families on behalf of the the department and she'll also like help them get on message, you know, so that they're sharing the right kind of information with news media in particular. Um, yeah, she'll like lead press conferences, mm-hmm. she'll it feels like she's the one who reaches out to like the um different police like coordinates stations. it all. Yeah. Like, coordinates it all. 
before they get there, like housing and other stuff too. So like almost like a glorified assistance role, but then they finally do bring her in on a more regular basis. She's also just like very contrary to the rest of the team. She's like blonde, petite, like pretty woman who kind of has a Southern drawl in the first episode when she's introduced, but then you find out she's from like Pennsylvania or something like that later on. Um, But she's just like very sunny, very bright, like the opposite of what you would think about all the dark things that this team has to deal with on a regular may basis. I, may I offer an aside? Please, um, please. What other white ladies um, do we know of that have put on a fake Southern background backstory? <laughs> Not Rachel Hollis! You know, as a Southern woman, I love a monogram. <laughs> no. Ma'am, you're God. from Arizona? Or yeah, wherever. I don't know where she's from. But yes, okay, know. sorry. So yes, AJ does have like a little bit of a Southern, and we'll get to this later, but then there is someone who comes into JJ's life who does have a bit more Southern flair. <laughs> Southern. <laughs> um, but oh, I will man. say about JJ, JJ like knows her shit and she really holds it down. And she's also in this show the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a, she goes well, away for a minute. She does. And then she returns. But she's like. They try to replace her with another person who's basically. <laughs> yeah. Didn't work out. Like another work small so blonde well. woman. It's yeah. so weird. You're right. She does go away like in the middle of the series and then comes back. Yeah. But she, oh, she's good. And she also, I mean, they all have like their own relationships with each other, but she and um, Spencer are like really tight. They're and, like, very friends. tight. And they, I mean, will we get a chance to get to this later? They really, they really play with us at the end of the series. They, oh my God, about like, what is the nature of their relationship? What does this mean? <gasps> oh my gosh. My heartstrings the beginning of it like they make fun of Spencer because he's young and like he like doesn't have a lot of social graces and so they're like oh you like JJ and so he asks her out to go to a ball game and then she's like oh yeah as friends or whatever and so like there's this Mm -hmm. whole like line early on that he is enamored with her yeah and then nothing really happens and it fades away play with us at the end they that final season they really wanted to just do it to us oh my god there's so much that happens We'll talk about it, but I, my theory is that they just looked at all the, f- like, fan theories and, like, all the fan fiction, and they were like, yeah, let's just slap this in here and oh, go with it. So. I think that is pro- very astute. I mean, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's probably had a huge impact on what happened. Okay, oh, but more okay. about that later. Let's talk about another blonde lady mm-hmm. who is part of this group. Um, it's Special Agent Penelope Garcia, played by Kristen Bangsness. Or is it Kirsten? Oh, you gotta say it. It's Kirsten. It's Kirsten Vangsness. Okay, cool. And she is also like the antithesis to the team. She's like eccentric Truly. hacker, computer aficionado, like very into like subculture stuff, but she's just really funny and cute and and just her aesthetic is very like bright. So like her personality is like bubbly, kind, friendly. Her aesthetic is very like bright, mismatched, colorful. Um and she's like the only curvy person on this show mm-hmm. we could maybe call her plus size i don't know if we go that far but i don't know like for me watching shows like this on tv in the year you know 2009 like she was one of the only sort of fat people that i could think of on tv in in this way yeah and she's integral and the way that like spencer just knows random weird things yeah she's the one who can hack into anything in like, ways that she... are probably illegal illegal wildly yeah. illegal yeah uh-huh um, but she's also, I feel like the heart of the team, like she is emotive and dramatic in a way that a lot of the other people 
don't get to be. Yeah. Um, so she definitely is a foil to all the darkness that yeah. pops up on a regular basis. Yeah. Like she and can't look at stuff sometimes. Like they'll be doing a right. debrief and she's like, I can't even look at this. And it's like, girl, what job are you in? <laughs> Come on. Well, and she'll joke about how she has to like look at puppies or like look at kittens or whatever to like kind of mm-hmm. cleanse her palate between looking at things. As the series goes on, we do get to hear more from her and more about her backstory. And that's particularly interesting. Essentially, mm-hmm. like she was really in trouble with the law and they were like, well, come work for the FBI and we'll <laughs> like make these troubles go away use your yeah. hacking skills for us for good and we'll and and that's what ended up happening yeah but she's great um we, wait 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 say? we also alluded to this earlier but there is like a a real sexy flirty tension and oh, yeah. friendship between um between garcia and between Derek Morgan like the two mm-hmm. of them have just this very like silly fun flirty rapport that's really fun to watch and also like I think for a while I was always like will they get together will they not and like we clearly find out that they won't get together um kind of midway through the series but it's still their back and forth is very fun and if you dig into it it turns out that like those two are friends in real life um Aww. and like the rapport that they have on the show is very much based in like how they interact per- like interpersonally like outside of the show which is kind of really like an interesting component to all this yeah he i mean he calls her baby girl all the time she'll have like very salacious like things to tell him so like they have to tell her if she's on like speaker or not speaker when they (laughs) yeah stuff like that there's one episode where she she got like drunk the night before and she wakes up and like derek's in her apartment and she just showered her boyfriend and he's showered and wet and glistening she's like what happened (laughs) um so it's yeah it's great it's a good that's also a nice like lift i think i mean i'm intrigued by the way that they solve these profiles and think about the psycho like psychological backgrounds i mean they are pulling from like real life based events to mm-hmm. like build up these stories but the reason why i think kat and i have discussed it so much is because the way that they've painted these characters is just fun and you want to so see fun. the joy that they experience and the silliness that they experience in the midst of all of the sadness and grief so Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, um, yeah, Derek and Penelope being like flirty friends is really cute. Yeah. So, and I, though, I think as we go on, there's more that I have to say about her love life, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. So, who? Oh, okay. Also, after... can we oh, can we mention too that Garcia is one of the characters that is there the whole season, the whole yes. series, mm-hmm. series, mm-hmm. and I think that's True. it actually for uh, for the characters that last the whole time. Just Matthew and her, and then AJ on and off, and then the next person is gone comes and then comes back, back right? <laughs> yeah, Emily so, Prentice, played by Paget Brewster. Yeah, and she ends up being the BAU unit chief after some time and has this kind of wild backstory of yeah. like being undercover in Europe, Russia? Well, no, not Russia, in um Ireland. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. How could we forget? Oh my God. So much stuff happens with that. Whoa. Um, and even further back, she like has her parents, like I think her parents are wealthy or her mom's diplomats. an ambassador or diplomats. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so she yep. speaks several languages. Um, and she was kind of brought up in a way that would prepare her for this line of work. She also goes away for a while to like run, I think like the BAU in the UK or some kind Before of. Before that though, she dies and oh, everybody mourns oh her loss, but she's oh secretly alive oh. living in Paris. Oh my so. God. 
that is dramatic. They fake her fucking death and they don't tell the team. And then she just walks in one day and and they're like really struggling. I mean, as you would if you mourned yeah. the death of a loved one for years and then they just walked right in the room. And then you found out that your boss had known the whole thing. And while you like at like you know in your mind understood the importance of the secrecy for the safety of everyone involved in your heart would be like i hate it here i hate you all how dare you Mm -hmm. yeah when like the bedrock of trust is what gets you through all these horrific crimes that you work on a regular basis yeah wow yeah wow but yeah yeah paget is there for a lot emily prentice is kind of a bad bitch i i like her character total bad bitch Mm -hmm. There's like this joke at one point they're on the jet coming back and she's talking about how she can't wait to go to Vic Vegas and play like, was it Sin to Win weekend or something like that? And Derek Morgan's like, what's that? She's like, I'll tell you when you're older. You're like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. She's great. She's so funny. Okay. All right. Well, when she leaves for a minute, somebody else steps in your favorite. I'll let you tell us. One of my faves. I don't know why I'm so enamored with this. Oh, no, either. Like, it's truly inexplicable. Just for a season, Jennifer Love Hewitt is on the cast. And I just really like her in this. She plays Kate Callahan. Um, and yeah, she's just here for a minute. I think maybe after this, she leaves to go be on this other show I watch called 911, where she also gives a stellar performance. <laughs> the um, criminal minds to Copaganda pipeline is too real. It okay. Is so strong <laughs> for both all or for yes, for all of the actors and also for me as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah, and so Jennifer Love Hewitt, it's, I mean, she's not that exciting. Um, There's a whole storyline with, like, her, I think her niece that she's kind of adopted as her her daughter. She's, like, the girl. Um, sweet girl, she calls her, yes. <laughs> she's the guardian. And then her husband, who's that, like, kind of hot guy who's on that one show. You know what I'm talking Alias. about? Yeah, yes. yeah, like him yeah. a lot. Um, But, yeah, and then eventually she just decides that she can't, she doesn't say, I can't hack it. She wants to, like, spend more time with her family. Um, well, so after she goes. her daughter or like her niece is abducted, yeah. right? <laughs> You're right. It's like I an like inappropriate. <laughs> It's like fair. An appropriate move. Honestly, that's the move that all of these people should have done at any given point in this series. There's so much trauma that these yeah. people go through yeah. that it's like, how are you still working yeah. together? And also, how is this BAU unit still together? Yeah. I do not understand. Honestly, thank you for naming that because like it is normal for like a huge trauma to happen in your workplace like this and for you to be like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Whereas everyone else, it's like thing after thing. I mean, some of these people, it's I mean, like, think about Spencer. It's like tragic kidnapped you've been lured with like people to seduce you've you been you drugged were, you've in been prison imprisoned i mean it's like so much that happens and so he's like yeah happy to do the job like what the fuck? i don't know what else i do with my life oh my like, no this is a toxic environment it's my dude so, it's so toxic like, like literally so the bad. fbi tries to shut down the bau multiple times multiple they times can't. they're the only good ones it's like no they're no, not no it's like when you look at it objectively, you realize how just backwards this all is. But when you're in it, you're like, yeah, they can't shut you down. How dare they? You know, <laughs> so the way they get out of their scrapes, like, was it a senator comes in and like finds out that one of the people who wants to shut him down, who's like trying to climb the rungs of the corporate ladder at the FBI is like doing something unethical. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, how they, they like save the senator's kid or something like that. I'm yes, just like, yes. I don't know. They're also, this is too they much. spend a lot of time 
time villainizing the person who's like above the super uh, above the unit chief um mm-hmm. and it's a woman for like for many years but then like she has a drinking problem and we have find all these things that are wrong with her and like that's kind of how it like it's turned around oh it's just so Rossi's weird. also secretly dating her yeah. and then she Not gets murdered that, and then she's so. murdered what a trauma what a trauma uh, <laughs> uh, and that's what okay. makes Rossi go back to his like fourth wife again it's just wow. oh, yeah. he has so many wives he has so many wives he, he finds out he has a daughter he has a, a, a daughter he doesn't know about who comes back into his life and then he reacquaints with um his like second wife it's a whole thing wow okay, okay. i just realized that this about, show though. is a soap opera yeah <laughs> just realized it oh my god okay yep all right yep. anyways it's like uh, okay primetime soap opera okay okay a couple more people see... that we like there's a few more you you list them uh, well, I guess we have to talk about Aisha Tyler, who plays t- uh, Dr. Tara Lewis. Who- Tara. Oh, my God. Dr. Tara Lewis. Excuse me. Wow. It's- <laughs> I feel like she's, like, there, but she's not there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, for several seasons, she's there, but then she's, like, you not really for most of the in. episodes, which is weird. Also, like, Aisha Tyler does a million things, so I imagine she was working on, a- I mean, I hope, She's working yeah. on a lot of stuff while she was also on this show. Um, but it feels she's like a they bad didn't... bitch in this show. Yeah. She's so and in real life. Yeah. Yeah. True. I would say she so she's like the psychologist. So mm-hmm. she her like specialty is to go in and actually like interview these folks. And she's had these working relationships with a lot of the killers over time too. Yeah. And um yeah, she's she's just a unique character when it comes down to it. And she's good. Oh my god, Sarah, remember the 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 episode where like they're in this prison <gasps> and then like in like the in yes. the area where all of like the like long-term really like rough serial killers are and it's getting taken over and then the doors open and so they're no longer locked up and like one yeah. of the guys recognizes her. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. The that is a there's a lot of dramatic episodes right. that one feels highly dramatic i also think i'm drawn to her because she's like pretty solidly single for a lot of it and Mm -hmm. then you also get to see like a backstory of her ex who uh you know had substance abuse issues and like she stood by him and now she gets to see him being with another person and i don't know like even though they didn't give her enough screen time they did give her some depth um, yeah into the show that i appreciated i agree i enjoyed those moments i just wanted more of those moments you know yeah it feels like totally. she's part of the team for several seasons but it's like if we put all the episodes she's featured in it'd be like one season you know they'd also be like oh no she's off interviewing someone <laughs> it's like or she's off teaching or something like that and it's like okay i guess I don't yeah know. yeah they okay, did that you to... have to oh you yep mm-hmm no, wait, finish your thought. No, well, I was just going to say they also did that to Matthew Gray Goobler one time in one season <laughs> where he was off teaching a bunch. And I'm sure it was because he was working on another project. Okay. But, but I, I don't even know what that project was. That's so funny. Neither. Okay. But you have um, to talk about this. Person. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Some of you may know my like all time <laughs> favorite TV crush who I first was acquainted to on uh, the popular show CSI Miami. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so, wish I had some sunglasses to whip off my face right now. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, Ugh. okay, CSI yeah. Miami. It's a bad show, but it's a great show. Um, anyway, Adam Rodriguez is on that show, uh, and he also. Com- I mean, like, oh my god, when I started doing a rewatch of Criminal Minds, so I had seen like halfway through. Um, and didn't really know what like what awaited me after. And then a Google at one point, I came upon a picture that he was in with the cast, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I thought you were on Paget Brewster's like 
Instagram and you saw Adam Rodriguez on it. That's also possible. Maybe it happened in real time while we were together. I just, like, when I realized that he would be coming up on episodes, it's like, Criminal Minds, could you get any better? You're really (laughs) doing it for me, and I love it. Okay, so in the later seasons, Adam Rodriguez comes on. He plays SSA Luke Alves. I don't think they give him as much, like, depth to his character as I would have liked, but there are some moments that are really, really good. And then we get like a fun surprise with him in our series finale, which is always just like my favorite thing. We'll talk about that in depth, I hope, coming up. Um, what about Matt? Um, what's Matt's? Okay, what's, I do have other characters. Uh-huh. Yeah, we can talk about other characters. I just feel like they weren't as like high on the list, but they're still important. Got it, got um, it, got it. I, I think we should talk about some of the other people, but I wanted to give you like a little behind the scenes commentary about like the nature of the show and like yes. these main characters. Oh my so, God, yeah. Um, As I was watching like the season one DVD commentary bits uh, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, um, <laughs> exec producer Edward Allen Bernero said that all good dramas are family shows. And I was like, oh, of yeah. course. Like they created all of these characters to be a family and to represent a family here i was thinking like oh we love workplace sitcoms and dramas and things like that and it's like oh no every workplace show that you like is just them trying to replicate like a family however dysfunctional or loving it is and it's like oh yeah that's why i really really enjoyed it so Uh uh i would say these main characters that we have described are like the nuclear family to some extent and then like the other ones that come in are related but not as central and maybe i'm wrong with my assessment of that too i see your list here of other people too i had looked over it i think um but i i agree you're right that the main folks we have named and then there's just some others that like add a little more extended family if you will or just like Mm -hmm. in for a minute kind of thing yeah and like maybe i was wrong for this there's one um character named Stephen Walker who's a supervisory special agent played by David Goopton yeah he was really good and I think they did him dirty I agree I agree he didn't get enough time he got killed off Mm -hmm. in like the saddest way his family was so wonderful too but it's also later seasons so yeah um also you have to wonder like did he leave because the show was like oh you're not doing well here or did he leave because he's like hey i don't want to be on the show anymore or something totally different you know or did he kick exactly oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god (laughs) we didn't talk about that at all (laughs) why don't we talk about it now i mean let's do it okay so as i you know we've been going through some of the characters and i'm like yeah they left for this show or yeah they left for that show okay Thomas Gibson, he, in this mid-series, there is this very sudden um, exit from Hotch, who is, like, you know, the unit chief. And it's like, how did this happen? There are other characters who leave. Like, for instance, when Derek Morgan, when his character leaves, like, we have a whole episode dedicated to, like, his, like, you know, fighting this thing and doing this thing and then saying goodbye. Like, there's so much, like, to do about he this comes moment. back sometimes yeah, he comes later back. Yeah. There's just so much. But when Hotch leaves, it's like, at first, it's like, oh, yeah, he's in, um, what is it called? Not special victims. Where, yeah, witness what is it called? protection. Witness protection. He's in witness protection. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yep, he's just going to stay there. He's never coming back. And you're like, what? We got in the same season. We have all this pomp and circumstance about Derek Morgan leaving, but nothing about Hutch. Okay, but then 
you find out why. Okay, but also like the reason it's so dramatic too is like Hotch continues to be in situations that he needs to be out of. Like his family is targeted by like multiple serial killers throughout this whole series and he still shows up to work and people are like, you maybe don't need to do this and he still shows up. His wife dies. He still shows up and then now he goes Remember that scene where him and JJ, like JJ comes over with her kids, Hotch has his kid and then like they're like the the FBI comes in and like points guns at all of them and yes. then later that day they, they just bring the kids to work and keep on working like <laughs> what <laughs> so yes I think that that build up in that context is important to know like all this weird shit happens but then just one time it's like oh yeah he's just not coming he back finally decided this is the time and that's yeah. because Thomas Gibson was fired from the show for kicking a writer <laughs> <laughs> I just like I shouldn't be laughing at violence or whatever, no. but like the premise of it is just so ridiculous that I can't I don't understand. I don't I'm also it. curious about the full story because like from yeah. what you read, it's it was played up to be not a super big deal, but like mm-hmm. what really happened? And like what else was at play in their like, you know, real life interpersonal co-working Dynamic. situations yeah. that like made that, that that happen. Um but it's just so it was just so silly like and i mean if i were him i would be so, like it's just yeah to see how much care and concern were taken for other characters exits and then he's just gone but i guess that's what happens when you get fired from the show that you a star in and i don't know well uh, part of me thinks that the show is never the same after Hotch leaves, but part right. of me thinks like oh it did kind of go on in ways that i enjoyed what do you think Saraya? did you really miss him when he was gone Mm, yes and no I didn't ever really like his character that much um like he played an integral role I honestly thought it was different once um Gideon left like I really liked Mandy Patinkin's character he was a little like professorial a little curmudgeonly and you don't really get that anymore from any of the characters and so yeah I'm surprised you haven't brought up the fact that Thomas Gibson played um Greg and Dharma and Greg. I wanted to. Why didn't you? <laughs> Just because so we were trying to go through people quick. But yeah. um, my first interaction with Thomas Gibson was playing Greg on the hit CB- or ABC series from my youth, Dharma and Greg. Exactly. Um, and I, yeah, so it's like, and he has, there's actually some kind of commonalities between the two characters, but he's way more fun in Dharma and Greg. Yeah. Way, way more yeah. fun. Okay. Let's get back to a couple of these other characters that are around. And honestly, Jennifer Love Hewitt should be in this group, but I thank you for That's putting her true. up top for me. But you, you talk know, about her so much that I, I thought I'd do it. Just love that um, girl. I don't know why. Um, okay, yeah. So Damon Gupton, we talked about him. Oh, Matt Simmons plays um, Daniel Henny. And he is. No, there no, no. For- Daniel Henny. Plays, plays Matt Simmons. Oh my God! Thank you. I was like, why do I know him as Matt so much? Yes, yes I yes. messed that up. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Matt, and actually, so there was for a short time like um a Criminal Minds. There's been a couple spinoffs, and one was mm-hmm. like Criminal Minds, like International, and I like International Waters, or, or that's okay. No. None of none of those are the names, <laughs> but like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he's on a boat he's well, just, it is it's beyond talking, borders is okay, what it's, it's called borders. thank yeah. you okay yeah. thank you i 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. And also, we um, so there's a couple crossover eps, and so we we get introduced to Matt Simmons early on, and they are actually on a boat for part of that. So maybe that's why it's my mind. Um, <laughs> but then he comes to join the main team for a couple seasons, and he's a real delight too. I like him, and he has a fun family, and he's cute. He's got and a big ass cute. family. Yeah, he's got lots of kids. Yeah, just running around. There's a cute development. So David Rossi is like really wealthy, so he'll like pay for things for people um, on, on a regular basis and like cook them meals at his beautiful house. But like, it's he's wealthy because he's written a bunch of books based off mm-hmm. of his experience, and he like goes on um, uh, book tours, speaking, and speaking yeah, tours, book, book mm-hmm. tours, yeah. But at the end, he ends up like connecting with because Matt is like, I don't know how I'm gonna you know care for all my kids. Like all this stuff is changing, and he's like, Well, how about like you? help take off like my writing my book series like we will co-author together and then you can continue on the the series and be the main author and it's just really that's the episode where like they come over to like help him put the like the playpen or the crib together or something yes it's just so sweet that's the last season isn't it matt must be there till the end then huh yeah 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 Yeah. oh that is really sweet So maybe he should have been a main character, but he just came in so late in the game that I didn't feel like. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It that. is very late in the game. Someone There's another there- character that I liked that you didn't like. I don't know if this is who you're going to say next, but it's Alex Blake played by Jean Triplehorn. And I really liked her. She was a, like a professor and I don't even know what her specialty would be other than she's a professor sometimes, maybe psychology, but I really liked her. She was kind of like, uh... I don't know, an aunt character in some regards. I don't know. How would you have described her? Yeah, that's an interesting way to describe like the kind of like, I don't know, in the family that is the the BAU, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the kind aunt. Um, I didn't, I wasn't as enamored with her, but I did enjoy, like, I mean, she served a purpose. There was, I think she's mostly in my mind because on the season or seasons that she's part of the show, there's this whole thing about how Spencer is like in love with this person that he like only talks to on the phone and it's like very secretive mm-hmm. with. And she's, I think the only person that like he confides that in. And yes. so there's a lot of discussion of that with the two of them together. And I really liked that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he trusted her at first either. No. But then, but then somehow they came to be really good. And what ended up happening, which was interesting, is like both her and her husband were very interested in their careers. And so that was always a big part of it. But then her husband uh, wanted their relationship to come back together. And so she ultimately had to decide, like, do I continue on this pathway with a BAU or do I commit to this relationship with someone I really love? And so I think that was an interesting storyline to go forward with for these characters. I agree. I liked that we got to kind of see that too. Because the other ones who stay, like, to their detriment in a lot of ways. Yeah. An example of which, honestly, is Jane Lynch's character. Oh, yeah. Who, iconic. She plays Spencer's mom, Diana Reed. And she's in it pretty consistently throughout the series. Um, And a really interesting character. I don't know. What did you think about her? I mean, I liked her. I I don't know. Do I like... I... I guess to be honest, like I liked, how do I even explain? I liked that she was a thing and that, because it added like depth to Spencer's character, but mm-hmm. I didn't really love scenes that she was in, <laughs> you know? I mean, like she's fine. She's a great like actor or whatever, but I just like, she wasn't someone I was excited to see on screen. 
Yeah. I mean, I thought she did a good job acting oh, the yeah. role she was, but the role she was is like more of a plot device than an actual character mm-hmm. just because she was always this concern for Spencer. Like, how do I take care of my mom who is like severe mental illness? How do I like care for her when she has dementia? Like, am I going to turn out like she did? Because she was like really she, – she is very smart throughout all of it. She yeah. was, uh, I think, a literature professor or something like that. She was the one who read to him as a child. I mean, even in the first season, she ends up being like connected to the main like overarching villain and is like driving clues for Spencer to figure out. And because of like her time in um, like a mental institution with that person. So it's just like – what a weird character. What is it? Later on, isn't he trying to get like um, non-regulated treatment for her? And that's what yeah. ends up finding him in jail to some extent. Yeah. Like, that's what sets it all in motion. Yeah. His like crossing yeah. over to Mexico. Yeah. That's what puts that, all, that. Like, honestly, that like thing happening creates like two seasons worth of content. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Jane does an excellent job. Also, there's like this weird backstory about how he thought his – dad had killed a boy when he was growing up in his neighborhood. <gasps> oh, I remember that. Other whole series was going on and like concern for Spencer. Anyways. Yeah. So yeah, she's good to give him depth, but like I I don't think she acts as her own character a lot of the time. She's just like a motivation for Spencer and like why he does what he does a lot yeah. of the time. I, I think that's a really like um I agree with that assessment. And I think maybe that sort of helps me understand why I like the idea of her. Like, I like what she does to the plot, but I don't, I'm not that excited when she comes on the screen because it just feels like, oh yeah, you got to be here for the story to move forward. Not because I'm really excited to watch you. Yeah. Which is also heartbreaking for Spencer because he never really just like has a break. No, he never does. <laughs> Mm-mm. Not even from the relationship with his mom. <laughs> how oh, is God. that? How if he was a real person, how would he be surviving? I don't just know. like the level of stuff that he has had to deal with is like, oh my God! I just it is it just it the it p- piles on and piles <laughs> on and piles on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, let's have a little palate cleanser. Should we talk oh. about our favorite ancillary character? <laughs> our favorite man we love to make fun of. Um, should I say his name or should you? I think I should. Okay, we got Josh Stewart playing Detective William LaMontagne Jr. <laughs> so, in an early season, JJ, like they're in New Orleans, and JJ, and the, one of the cops there is this guy, William Lamontagne Jr. JJ works with him. Uh, they have some, like, there's some flirtation and there's some interest there. And then, like, long story Nothing. short, they date and get married and have kids. <laughs> Yes, but we we don't see him forever, and it turns no. out JJ has been carrying on this relationship Secret. with him secretly for a while. The oh reason, my god! The reason it's so laughable to me is this man's accent. So it's like he's from <laughs> South Carolina. I've done some research because I was so perplexed as like how he speaks the way he does, and I think that he thinks he's doing a New Orleans accent. I think like, he is thinks it he Creole esque that he's no, trying to do, or what is he trying to do? There is this like specific way that like I don't know, like older white men in New Orleans speak. That's like, like a draw. And he's not old. No, it's not even a draw. It's kind of like a like a weird Boston accent, actually. Mm. Um, not Boston, New York. It's like a weird New York accent, like. Um, I think of like the custodian at like one of the schools I worked at in New Orleans. And I'm like, that is like one very distinct New Orleans accent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think people think it's like a drawl, but like drawl feels like very Southern. And so mm-hmm. Josh Stewart, bless his heart, tries to make this <laughs> to make this accent work, to make it feel New Orleans. And honey, it is not landing. He didn't mean to is the thing. Like, yeah, he was tied to his dad who was investigating this like series of murders and then Katrina happened. And Oof. so he's taking up the mantle. But like there are lots of people in New Orleans. He did not need to have that accent. No. He did not. And then he was a recurring character for so many times because like sometimes we see them go work with different like police stations and like you might have somebody that you're introduced to but like you never see them again so like why him (laughs) why that awful accent is so funny to me detective william montaigne jr (laughs) jr yeah it's so silly so 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 silly um but then but like a lot of stuff happens with his relationship with jj i mean i honestly think they're kind of a lovely pair they have like some nice interactions and there's that one episode it's like a season in this series the season finales that like wrap to the season openers are always incredibly dramatic and Mm -hmm. one of them is about this like bank robbery situation do you know what i'm talking about soraya Girl, yeah. I know. I know exactly. That's like one of the first people criminals we're going to introduce. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Are we going to go through all the criminal? That's a lot of criminals. We don't have to go through all of them, but we can do okay. a run through of them. But you should tell about this. So the there's, episode. there's mm-hmm. this moment and maybe you actually probably recall more than I do about it if you have like all the criminal info. But no. what I remember so much about it is that like um, at this point, William Lamontagne Jr. is like a cop or he's like, you know, He's also there, separate from the BAU, and they're in this bank, and he, like, goes in the bank, and he's, like, kind of helping make things happen or whatever, but he ends up, like, trusting one of the people, the bank patrons, who ends up being the actual criminal. And so then <laughs> he is, like, uh, essentially kidnapped. What's it called when you're an adult, but you're objective? I don't know. This criminal forces him to his car, and, like... They're doing all this sinister stuff. And he essentially is like, see your kids over there. I'll kill those kids. I'll kill your wife. I'll kill all these people if you don't do what I say. (gasps) Oh, it is gripping. And isn't that that episode they actually get like one of the people he's working with to go stay with their kid? Oh, yeah, they do. That's a good point. And so it's like JJ and Will's kids are like being cared for by a criminal. Yeah, um, because she's like, well, do what we say. Otherwise, your kids are going to get it's like, what the hell is going oh my on? God. And oh. even that the trauma yet. Who's back yeah. at work the next day? <laughs> like, Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Truly. Oh, and then also even more wild to me, which I think this is a great example of like a relationship that works is that um, like he ends up staying home, I'm pretty sure. So that yeah. Jay- career can develop and keep mm-hmm. moving forward and that's like a strain on their relationship that they make it work but like why why would you do that because your wife's job literally had your kids with like criminals like it's gotta stop it's gotta stop i don't it's, know it's so extreme up. it's so extreme okay i have one last like ancillary character which i'm sure like if people who are listening who are big fans they're like you didn't even name this person which sorry i'm sorry to that person but um i do want to mention nicholas brendan who plays kevin lynch who's like an on again off again boyfriend for um garcia yeah yep garcia and the reason i wanted to name him is one he's like kind of a funny goofy guy who's like a nerd like her but he was in buffy the vampire slayer and so i thought that was like a really smart play for the people who cast the show to bring him into this kind of 
um, universe that probably has some overlap in the demographic of who watches. When did Buffy run? I never watched Buffy. That's so surprising. I mean, it's not surprising, actually, but it's like such an important show. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. It was live from, oh, well, it's based on the 1992 show, 1997 to 2003. Okay. So, and this show started, I think, in 2004, five. three, five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he came in much later, though. Yeah, that's true. It's like a season or two in, for sure. Maybe yeah. more. Yeah. I think more. Yeah. He looked older in it. And but, he's um, just there for a couple seasons, right? Yeah. They're like super close and then they're not. And mm-hmm. then she dates other people. And then you didn't tell this other part about it when you were talking about Luke Alves. Wait, are we gonna say we're gonna say it? You wanna we can we can keep it. We can keep it. I just maybe maybe we talk about the things we liked in the series finale, like toward the end, and then okay. I can share my favorite thing that happened. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. We will. That's a little teaser for y'all, y'all. A little tease. Um, okay. So okay. I do you... want to talk about some of the criminals because, like, the show is called Criminal Minds. Right. Could we maybe talk about the ones that like are our favorites? Or like, favorite is a strong word, but the ones that like have stuck with us the most. Yes. Yes. Before we do that, though, I do want to share some facts just about like the nature of the show and like what the writers were considering as they went into this. Go for it. So. Um, a fun fact that I learned is that uh, at any given time, uh, there are 23 to 35 ser- serial killers operating in the United States. Okay. So okay. that's that's horrifying. And also, like, not that many compared with the population that we have. But also, how did they get to that number? I don't know. But also, um, compared to this, like, TV show, that means that, like, they're <laughs> catching all of them every year. <laughs> like, in, within three days. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the writers also said that, like, the news that we see about this is only, like, 1% of truly what's going on at any given time. And Oof. the truth out there is stranger than anything that they could write. And they Oof. write a lot of weird stuff. They which write is, like, some horrific. weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, like, really sat with me because after we finished watching it, like, I wanted to go back and watch some episodes to, like, prepare for this episode that we're doing. And I couldn't sit through it. I was mm. like, this is horrific. How did mm-hmm. I watch hour upon hour upon hour? And it's like I was in a dark place and that makes sense. And I mean, mm-hmm. I do like true crime and whatnot, but like, ooh, it is rough, the stuff that they show and the stories that they tell. And I think like the writers, they said that they got really paranoid after that. Like they brought some heavy things home with them and it really changed the way that they live their lives of just like being mindful about safety and precaution and stuff like that. And yeah. so – it is not like a lighthearted show. Like we've been talking about all the fun things we like about these characters, but like the show itself is really horrific. So it's, it is. It's say. pretty heavy. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's just and like so, it's the fun. It's like the levity provided by the interactions of these characters that like make you want to deal with that. I think or like make it like oh, I don't know. It go down a little bit easier. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about some of these criminals. Do you want to, like, we can start with you. Who were some of the criminals that you really enjoyed or, like, were engaging and maybe not enjoyed, like, what you said before, but, like, memorable? Yeah, ones that stick out to me. Um, Uh Okay, I think I know that we have some in common because, like, we've giggled about them. Okay, so remember, I don't even know. 
is he on this list? When Jason Alexander plays him in yes. the wig, the white yes. wig. Yes, for sure. The people like trapped in like that room that he's created. That is that sticks with me for sure. And how there's this interaction between like the serial killer and like some of the agents like on the stairwell. And Jason Alexander's character is like so confident. He's like, "You'll never catch me," um, and then they do. <laughs> he's so weird. so like I think isn't it Spencer something who's giving. Um, like uh, uh like yes. talk or yes. something and he, and he comes and he's like well i'm the most brilliant mind ever and i'm you'll uh, like what if we did this and he's just like weird he's has like this terrible bright like p- platinum wig on and like a white three-piece suit and he has a <laughs> weird accent <laughs> it's like that's jason alexander from seinfeld what yeah. is happening what is happening what yeah. is going on yeah he, uh, yeah he's just i think okay the show that he was was in was called masterpiece and you mentioned it like he had trapped wasn't it like a daycare provider and a bunch of children in a room yep yep and it wasn't the first time he'd done it i don't think and he had like a room that he created especially to like terrorize them with like Mm -hmm. walls that would move and like hooks that they had to be on and like the oxygen was gone but they had oxygen masks but they could get taken away and it was all filmed it was all very psychotic and he was trying to make it like these photos in like fibonacci's like sequence like the perfect circle and his his name was like professor rothschild or something (laughs) it was just like such a bizarre one so yes that is i don't remember if he's on this list that i have i know I, i definitely thought about him too um okay so that's one who else who else Um, comes to mind oh this is not people but i love when it like they're well i don't love rogue cops but i love when we're when like the whole police station is like guilty and we're finding out ways to like for like prosecute them all it just Mm -hmm. feels like dirty cops are like many cops are dirty and so i love when um we really we don't have a lot of moments but there's one really compelling season finale where that happens Mm -hmm. um which is there's a huge shootout and all these things happen i really liked that um who else i mean they talk about scratch a lot like scratch is who what does he do even who is mr scratch he like so because some of these serial killers they come and go it's like some of them are one and done it's a great episode and others just like live on and it's it could be seasons later and you're like oh it's scratch here again like what (laughs) it's i mean like yeah they love to bring back old characters or old Mm -hmm. villains to haunt these people which is just another reason as to why would you still be working in this line of work Uh after all this time um okay Okay, I want to run through just like the list of different types of criminals that they've engaged with. And okay. again, it's not like the most comprehensive. And I'm going to name a few uh, out of them to see if you remember them. But okay. like these aren't even all of those. So they have assassins. So some of the people who follow fall under that assassins list is actually the lady who was in that bank heist one that you mentioned. She uh, went yeah. by uh, Lady X or Queen of Diamonds. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so uh-huh. she's one of them. Yep. Then they have have like a whole series of family annihilators they go in and wipe out entire families that's like the psychological profile and so they had one whose name was norman hill as the road warrior is do you remember the, this guy was he the one with the with the rib bones no oh no, okay no, no. never mind <laughs> that was another one who like came back a bunch of times right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um no norman hill i feel like he was on uh what is that show the truth is out there 
Dana and Dana Scully. X-Files, the X-Files. X-Files, yes, yes. I think he was on that. No, his whole thing is that he had like a really overbearing wife and like daughters and he would go uh, like um, drive around and like shoot people. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think it's 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 vaguely there. I mean, I anyway, know I watched it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Serial killers, which is kind of funny because I think a lot of these people actually fall into multiple categories. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the first one that came up was Cat Adams, who's played by Aubrey <gasps> yes. Plaza. Oh, that is a whole thing. What a lovely addition to this show, Aubrey Plaza. Mm-hmm. In because we see Cat like multiple times and there's this like weird like flirty thing with her and spencer oh it's so good (laughs) it's so bizarre yeah it's so bizarre and then there's this one episode i think it's so well done toward the end of the series where like she's in jail and he's questioning her but then we're also like while they're there and she's like you know no makeup in her jail suit he's like in his regular clothes like going to you know ask her we like have this like alternate universe where they're on a date yes Oh, it's so mm-hmm. good. And they're so like coiffed and in this like very expensive. It's like that's where the fan fiction comes in for me. It's like, wow, people like, but that was before she was truly, truly introduced, I guess. No, eh, no, anyway. no, 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 no. That was like she was, well, she came back a lot of times. And I think that the scene I'm thinking of is like one of the last times that she was there. And so I do like to your idea about how like the writers might have been like, what are the, what do they want? What is the audience what do the people talking want? about? Let's just give it to them oh, at this point. They want Cat Adams for- and Spencer Reedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And Aubrey just does such a good job of playing She's that great. character. Um, okay. Ian Doyle, who was like this big NRA gangster dude who um Emily Prentice, played by Paget Brewster, was in a relationship with at one point. So Wait, he's NRA? scary. Wait. Yeah, IRA. Sorry, IRA. IRA. It's like IRA. Oh, and then then we get to hear Paget's whole backstory on that. Oh, Apprentices, yeah. Apprentices, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, love that. Yeah. So there's that. There's George Foyette. Which one's he again? His name's so familiar. He's the one who, like, hunted down Hotch and Hotch's family and killed his wife. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. Oh, and Mm -hmm. he's, like, he, like, got such a, like kick out of it i can like i remember one time like hotch is on the phone trying to drive home and foria is like in his house with his wife oh my god and it's when he tells he tells mm-hmm. his son to go play co- oh my god no can he's you like tell them- work the case with me jack and that's and- like code for his young son to go hide in this like little bench in his office where he found him one time uh when he was working and they do like a, a memory moment and like yeah. the kid pops out of there and he's like jack what are you yeah. doing in there and he's like i'm working the case with you daddy yeah so for <laughs> like love Yes, it's so messed up. And, like, this whole, like, Koch is, you know, racing home. Foyette's, like, on the phone, like, left, like, loving it. He, like, makes his wife say goodbye or whatever. They get home, and it's this, like, dramatic moment. And Foyette is gone, but his wife, Hotch's wife is dead. And then when he uncovers his son in the box, like you just described, yeah. God, that's and- a very suspenseful episode. They ultimately end up saying that, like, Hotch had to go into witness protection because of Foyette. But I yeah. don't know. I think yeah. he dies, doesn't he? I don't know. I don't remember. That's the thing about all these people. It's like, I don't remember if they die or come back at any given point. So that's yeah, whatever. Um, and then Jason Alexander's character, Professor Rothschild, also known as Henry Grace, is considered uh, yeah. a serial killer. Um, they also have rampage killers, uh, which I don't have the definition right now of why that's different. I think it's more of like a spree killer kind of mm-hmm. situation. Uh, and they mentioned Bill Harding. I don't remember his characters much, but he's played by Kevin Malone from The Office, um, who plays Kevin. Uh, hey, wait, I don't know. Is Kev- 
I was saying, is he, it Kevin Malone, the Kevin character Malone is from the his character. I don't remember his real name. Yes. Oh, what is his name? He just wrote a book um, about the Did office. He? What is his? Oh, I feel so bad. I think he also What's... hosts the office podcast, too. Let's find he out. He is, yeah, ben, Brian Baumgartner. Of course, Brian Baumgartner. Yeah. And he's one of the few, I mean, like, we have very few fat people on this show. We have, mm-hmm. I guess we have a couple of fat villains, um, uh, of which Kevin and is one of them. He's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not Kevin. Okay. Brian. 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 Sorry. I'm so sorry. sorry. I went to high school with a kid named Kevin Malone, so I'm really? like, the reality, yeah, the reality and the non-reality of it all is very confusing for me um okay there's another one called budding killers so i think like people who were just like just getting started that they were able to like cut off before they got much further Mm -hmm. so they consider the fisher king which is actually the plot of the first season like the whole build-up is this dude who's like trying to lay these clues that are connected to arthurian legend because actually a lot of the like idea behind criminal minds is like how do we have king arthur's round table and how do they go off on quests to like you know take care of the world and hey is it the fisher king who like drugs spencer and holds him captive and then he's no. in that like oh, okay that's okay. one of my most memorable folks okay. that i'm going to talk about in a minute here. okay but no the fisher king is the one who's like daughter his family burned down in a building and then he was in the mental institution with oh, spencer's yeah. mom oh and, yeah. yeah okay 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 so weird um there's another semi-fat character who's considered a budding killer named jane gould who kept like um stalking like really depressed women and then like bringing them back to her cabin or whatever and like misery-esque keeping them there and saying if they just like tried harder or did better like she was very into self-help do you remember this one i can't remember this one okay so she was like fat and like she was very much about like i'm your friend and like i'm trying to help you and if you just had a better mindset on this like things would be better to the point where she would just like keep them hostage and like do some weird stuff so another fat character that's not great um and also like weight loss-esque things were built into that too which was really weird she'd get like a character who had like ed and whatnot this girl did she have Mm -hmm. the thing with the was there like a her sister in the flower shop? No, no, that's a different fat person. Different okay, <laughs> there's just like three fat people total, so I'm uh, confusing their their storylines. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. So okay, so then there's like the hitman group, and the ones that were most prominent for that is like they end up the team ends up taking down this dude named Jack Vaughn and his daughter is there and like they try to like help them and then later on his daughter Lindsay comes back as a hitman and like and that that happens like later on in the series and Mm -hmm. that feels very dramatic yeah because she she was young right and now she's Mm -hmm. back as an adult and like they have gone on for that freaking long (laughs) show that they have a child who's now an adult there's and remember the other child who's now an adult and does do they show up on this list I can't think of his name, but it's like the dad, the really like good looking dad, and then oh, Prentice, no. and then literally ten years later, literally, I mean, it's like yeah. so far in the future, the kid grows up and like he's killing people, and he like wants to talk to Prentice. And um, Prentice <laughs> used to like connect with him after that, yeah. and then she fell out of touch, and that was yep. like set him off or something. I yeah. don't know. It's so messed yeah. up. Um, no, he's not on this list, but. 
there is a section of cop killers but again these people i think fall into other character categories mm-hmm. so one is billy flynn played by tim curry actually and he's like really gross and scary and he like captures this girl and she's like i don't know on a he's like on a road like a road trip across the country like capturing i don't know i don't remember it very much it was just creepy he is a creepy character then there was a dude named everett lynch who was the chameleon so he pretended to be like other serial killers and other yeah. people and then didn't he take people's faces too that was like his I thing i believe so i believe so so yeah. weird his daughter got- really wanted to be a part of his like thing and then he ended up killing her his mom was in prison and she really liked flirting with the guys in the BAU yeah yeah <laughs> that, the Everett Lynch stories went on and on and on yeah very bizarre um there was another famous uh killer named John Curtis who went by the replicator and he was played by Mark Hamill oh yeah um they call him a proxy killer because there were a lot of like really smart killers who do lots of arches like story arcs i guess i should say um that didn't do overt killing necessarily but they got other people to do it and they like always strategize these big ways to mess with folks so he is one and then you mentioned this mr scratch peter lewis peter lewis the first time he's introduced is all of these kids who were in um, like a foster care system end up having the same story. Like as now as adults, they maybe yeah. have like specific mental disorders and they all talk about how when they were growing up, they were all scared of the same like boogeyman who was named Mr. Scratch. And it turns out that Peter Lewis has been over a long period of time using like uh, chemicals to influence specific parts of the population to get them to do things that he wants and has like this weird mastermind thing to like take down the BAU and other people. It's very strange. And isn't he's someone who's there for a really long time? I so mean, like long. he's like, you know, it feels like every other season he's popping back out. Isn't there a moment where like he's no, that's not him. No, I'm confusing stories. There's another thing that's like on my mind, but I don't remember any of the details to be able to well, share. Well, they do it, so. it on purpose. So at one point, Cat, who we talked about earlier, who has this thing with Spencer, gets him in prison at some point, and they pretended to be Mr. Scratch, but it wasn't Mr. Scratch. And so mm-hmm. it just it all gets so conflated. Like I have no idea how the writers ever like did their storyboards because it's yeah. just like, what are you talking about? There's, I don't know. This is really on my mind now. There's a guy who looks kind of like Scratch but isn't Scratch, and we think he's, like, a victim of a thing, and he was, like, I think someone, maybe Rossi, interviews him for his book or whatever, but then we find out that he, the person that we think is a victim, is the actual killer. What's this guy? And then he's back a bunch of times. I can't think of him. him. I don't think it's him. It's someone who looks like him. But, I mean, all these are, like, most of these killers are, like, (laughs) mediocre white men. Like... (laughs) Almost exclusively. Well, the profile, whenever they deliver the profile to the police, they're like, it's a white man between the ages of 20 and 55. Like, it's like, okay. Which Got really it. does, well, which lines up statistically with, like, who's doing the serial killing in our country? Yeah. Um, okay. There are bombers. There are arsonists. There are sexual predators. Yeah. And they, like, went into real specifics. I just didn't want to talk about that. That's so fine. I'm not yeah. To. There were some cults that they go and investigate. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. There was, like, a really weird cult that was actually, like, after some of the BAU people for a minute where they were taking people's, like, mandibles. Do you remember that? What's a mandible? Like, the jaw? I don't remember. Okay. So there was, like, 
Oh, there was such a weird storyline where it was like the perfect nuclear family in the suburbs and the mom and dad were actually going around like kidnapping people and killing them and like collecting their jaws and it ends up being part of this cult that's like trying to, oh, like didn't, yes, yes, like Spence, I think it's Spencer and Garcia get abducted at one point and like- (gasps) <laughs> that I so do remember. Weird. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Okay. Um, so there's lots of cults. Um, there's also like a kind of like a Waco-esque thing where they go and try to like free people who have guns. And I don't know. There's and then stuff. that happens in one of the earlier seasons. And then something similar happens like, like, you know, years down the road. There's like another cult that has like roots in that cult. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think that's yeah. It was the Benjamin Cyrus cult, and then that like built out into I don't know. And then oh, and then there was the one the doctor who was like in the in the sewers of Nevada uh, or of like Las Vegas or something like that. <gasps> oh There's yeah. The- <laughs> talking about what are we talking about okay there are cannibals there are lonely hearts killers there are poisoners and most of the poisoner like the poisoners category has the most women which is like accurate for the way that like we look at killers and how they engage um stalkers so there's a lot of stalkers but i wanted to talk about diane turner who is played by michelle trachtenberg who actually has like a lot of impact on um spencer because yeah. doesn't she kill Maeve, which is Spencer's, yeah. like, love interest? Yeah. So when we were talking earlier about that one character who's on for, like, a season or two that you liked more than I did and how, mm-hmm. like... Alex. Uh, yes, Alex. And how Spencer has, like, this secret relationship with this person. So he has... Who ends up being this woman named Maeve. And they have, like, this real thing. And it's, like, the first time he's been in love. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Diane Turner, like, I don't know if she... She somehow finds out about... I don't, it's unclear to me, like, if, if she is a person. She want to be the of- smartest. Like, her mm-hmm. PhD dissertation was, like, decided that it wasn't accurate or whatever. Yeah. Or, like, it didn't have any grounds. Yeah. And, like, she was ruined. And she was like, I'm smarter than this person. But- so she was stalking Maeve because Maeve yeah. was, like, this amazing yeah, scientist. and I think she'd been stalking for a long time, and that's the reason why, like, they had to be so secretive with their relationship, or like, yeah, it was just like Maeve was just like kind of like on a bit of a lockdown, um, mm-hmm. and then I think we assume that the stalker's a guy, but then it turns out to be this girl, and mm-hmm. it feels, uh, yeah, and I mean, since Harry the Spy, I've always been a real fan of Michelle Trachtenberg. She was also in Buffy, actually. Oh, okay. Know. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, abductors. This is where a fat character comes into play. So the character's name was Michelle Fader. And it's the episode called Gabby, where this like woman and her, she lets her daughter stay with her sister. And her sister ends up giving away the daughter. Like, like it doesn't play that way to us. But like, like the little girl is abducted while yeah. she goes into the grocery store or the gas station. Gas station, yeah. And turns out she actually like let the daughter go into this ring of like adoptee traffickers yeah and so this woman is considered an abductor but she's like one of the only fat characters and she's awful and so they're like i have a a recollection of like driving in a van and the girls in the back seat right there's like six little children six kids they've all yeah Yeah. and the old there's a man in the front seat who looks really gross and yeah looks creepy yeah yeah so that's cool um hackers so you mentioned earlier like like the backstory for um garcia and so like they're actually hunting down 
like her ex yeah. who was this big hacker. I don't know. Do you remember any more details about that storyline? No, I just love it. And like she <laughs> goes in like it's like we have an episode or I think one main episode where like she goes to meet with him. But then we get all these flashbacks of like her life before. And she was like in a relationship with this guy. Oh, it's just so good. He still misses her. And she's yeah. like this badass hacker. Yeah. So, and he thinks she's sold out and all this other stuff. Yeah. But, um, but I don't think, did you say Tobias Henkel? I don't know if that's, that's him. my, you kind of alluded to him actually. So that's actually the first episode of Criminal Lines I ever saw like many, many years ago. And uh-huh. I was like, this show is weird AF. Like yep. I watched it. I was like, I can't do this. But James Vanderbeek actually plays this character, yep. Tobias Henkel, who has like a multiple personality situation. Yeah. So he hacks into things. And so they're trying to find him. He ends up kidnapping Spencer and like his overbearing religious father has like played into his psyche in a way that he – um, like kind of torture Spencer to some extent, gets him hooked on like opiates. Because isn't um, that sort of heroin. the way that – because like that's the way that Tobias like Dealt essentially like pain. self-medicates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like – and that's like a two-episode arc if not more than that yeah, too. That one is scary and weird and that's mm-hmm. very early on. And I just remember like opening the door and then it's like a whole room full of computer screens, right? Yeah, yep. And he was watching mm-hmm. people, I think, is what he yeah. was able to do. He was able to oh, because of his like tech savvy, he was like helping yeah. people with their computers and then like setting up stuff so he could look through their computers at them. Yeah, exactly. And so they were trying to track him down and Spencer was going on a lead. Also, I think that's before he like was comfortable using his gun like that was a whole story arc too yeah and then he so after that there was an issue with him being worried about being hooked on heroin and he was hooked on it for a minute and then gun i don't know (sighs) there's a lot okay you talked about the like rogue um police agents like the dirty Mm -hmm. cops they were classified under gangsters of this like whole Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Could it be labeled better? Yeah. yeah. As gangsters. There was a human trafficking ring where they got like a separate undercover agent who was stuck there and they were trying to take that down. Um, vigilantes. This is interesting. They termed El Greenaway as a vigilante. Interesting. Uh-huh. Which is, I mean, because she killed that one person. Like it's not ro- wrong, but it's more complicated than that. It would be my perspective she was also shot in her home like that was yeah. a big part of it she, well, yeah and that's part of what like just talk about trauma i mean clearly <laughs> but so she, was garcia and yet she oh keeps showing up i don't understand keeps on trucking wow i think okay, they're all we have a, yeah go ahead can we talk about how alvez i think he lets scratch die doesn't he ultimately <gasps> doesn't he like scratch is hanging from the side of a building and alvaz could have saved him but he didn't and he let him drop no i think he actually wanted to save him i don't know oh. I think there was hesitation oh i think you're oh it's coming back to me but not clearly and oh. so they're like when your report that wasn't very clear were you trying to help and he's like yeah but it's also like why do you care now everybody at first in the series they really tried to like like take the people alive and like have due yeah. process of law and then later it's just they're just killing these two killers left and right like i don't get it that is a whole thing because it's like they just they're just this like extra judicial like but i think the point of the show i think they try to like make these folks so bad that as an audience we won't care if they're killed but also that messes me up um can i i have an update yes about the scene that we're talking about okay um uh, so like they're describing a scene and it says 
Scratch pathetically begged Alves to save him, but he rightfully refuses and <laughs> glares at him until he lost grip and fell to his what? death. You remembered what? it correctly. Oh, it's so bad. Is it also interesting because like Alves wasn't there for the majority of Scratch's like trauma that he was like Scratch fucks everything. I think Scratch is one of the I mean, because truly there's like a whole two seasons, one of which Spence is in prison, that is all because of of Scratch. Mm Mm-hmm. It's messed up. Well, like Hotch's character was totally messed up because he became like he basically was hypnotized by like Scratch and his like chemicals so like that his his ability like whether or not he was a reliable character after that was always in question yeah hey i have more about this moment yes please (laughs) okay so so like that happens and then like you mentioned already prentice points out that the details of how scratch died are a bit light in the report and alvez confesses to her what really happened but to everyone's relief prentice confirms that he allowed that he had followed protocol and that if he had tried to help scratch prentice insists scratch would have thrown alvez over the ledge of the building as well which i also believe and so Uh Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a, a good picture of Adam Rodriguez on this page that I'm on. Ooh. <laughs> Save that screenshot that for later, my dear. <laughs> Put it as your uh, phone background, my dear. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, now is as fine of a time as any to mention that Adam Rodriguez is also in the Magic Mike shows, um, <laughs> a, a movie that we enjoy, specifically Magic Mike Double XL. And recently I was, I don't know what it was. We were talking about something, and I shared this with you, Sarah. It was like a vid- oh, it was a video of like the final scenes of that show something on youtube and in the comments someone wrote like look at alvez like doing that and then going to work the next day with garcia like my god my world's colliding oh i loved it so much so funny so good okay back to it are there oh there's one person that i have wait is there more on your list because there's one like you you uh, say yours i might have left it off so you should say it I just, because there's so few fat characters, right? Mm-hmm. We have one fat villain who, um, unsub, if you will, who ki- Unidentified subject. Mm-hmm. Unidentified yep. subject. Who kidnaps women that resemble these dolls from this childhood set that she had when she was a child. Mm-hmm. And she, like, drugs them. So they're alive, but they're very, um, they can't really move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she, like, has them set up in this, like, human tea party. It's very disturbed. Um, yeah. But there's also, she has had a disturbing life, we learn, you know, like, why she does whatever. Um, also, mm-hmm. is this the one with PCOS? No, this is not that. There's one. It was. Yeah, I think it was. Okay, we're at the Which end. Is like, like what? And she has PCOS. So, no, the one with PCOS is about the flower shop person who oh, might have been you're right. Who might? Who was like uh, in love with her sister's fiance? Or yes, whatever. yeah. And then like you know, Encyclopedia Spencer tries to like explain what PCOS is, but like doesn't do a very good job. So it makes um, it seem like that would be a reason why she would be psychotic and like, yeah, it's just gone. yeah, messed up. Okay, so sorry for conflating those two things, but yes, um, again, there are so few fat characters, and like in this case, there were two women and. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, No, I didn't have her listed. Um, I don't know where she would fall, but that was just like so freaking weird. I guess abductor. Or stalker. 
Yeah, she like she sewed the wigs onto their scalps. Like it was very, very gross. It was um, horrifying. Yeah. And then what we see then, like toward the end, we like when there finally is this like picture of these dolls, it's like, oh my God, like that's who she's trying to recreate. It's just like, you know, oh, well, like you realize well, the it all. Storyline, if you want to get into it, was her dad was this amazing like child psychologist, but he assaulted and her. And abuser. And yeah. an abuser. And every time he abused her, he'd give her a doll. And so in his office, I think is it tara who's there and like it is it is yeah she sees all the dolls up there and she connects and she's like were these like trophies that you have of this and like it ruined him and like she really just like broke him down at the end yep which was good but also like horrific in the first place so yeah yeah. oof oof okay were there any other ones that are that you want to mention or that are in your mind yeah okay so there was an accomplice section and there's this like mr conrad who's not a real thing is an imaginary sidekick so there's this dude who is abducting people and like creating a puppet show out of Mm -hmm. them do you remember that (gasps) storyline and then he (laughs) oh my god he thinks that like people are in the audience and at the end we see that they're just stuffed animals yes Yes, but there's this like whole storyline where he has an accomplice with him who's yeah. walking around and he's yeah. like capturing people and like getting clothes. And I, I was just like, I don't know. This probably sounds like gibberish to anybody who's listening, but like it's just, it's, it's just ludicrous. Everything is ludicrous. So but for those of you who have seen the show, I hope that our sort of like <laughs> mangled recounts of these moments are also bringing them back up for you too. <laughs> and in a way that's like, not horrifying exclusively um there are other okay the other sections were like terrorists and torturers and i just i was so tired by the end of this whole list that i didn't oh, want to put anymore the but do you think of any that come no. to mind no but when you say torture it makes me think of actually i think you didn't even finish this episode because it was so it's very homeland-esque if you ask me i did um, but there's this episode yeah. where i forget the details of it all but jj and someone else is kidnapped and mm-hmm. they're like really just like they're um what is the word like what you do like in inappropriately to terrorists to try to get them to confess tactics. but what's the like like torture? what like yes tor- tor- torture is the word i don't know why it took me yeah, so much to get work saying they're called torturers yeah um, yeah they're tortured to for specific information or whatever and it's like very rough and doesn't it relate to like um what jj's doing during the time that she has kind of left the show and then comes back yeah and it like relates to and then there's this thing about her pregnancy oh my god it's just it's very it's a lot. It's a very heavy, very painful episode. Um, so yeah, when you say torturers, that's the main one I think of. And honestly, we could look back at a lot of a lot of different characters in this line that like do lots of torture throughout it, yeah. which is kind of horrific. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, mental <laughs> and physical torture. You know? Yeah. 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 So. Oof. Okay. That's- that's okay so if you wanted to know about the criminal minds that's just like a little sampling of all the criminal minds that we come into contact with um what's wild is that not only do these like characters have multiple arcs but even in the episodes where they have an arc there's another one that's the main like main focus of that episode and this is just like playing a backstory to like the undercurrent of what's going on with our our, like main characters so i don't know Let's do our favorite arcs and storylines that we haven't cool. talked about already. <laughs> okay. I think we've touched on some of them already, but we also could go a little more in depth. What are some of yours? I know you said you really liked that one with Tobias Hinkle. Um, 
Yeah. What else did you love? I don't know why. I don't I don't think I loved it, but I think that was my first introduction. It, like, and you. like seeing Spencer be set up as he was. I don't know. I love Spencer as a character, which is so Same. interesting because he's just like the most tragic one. Mm-hmm. And also like the most naive or like hopeful in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, which is weird. Um he's also just like really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. Like when he gets the haircut and they're like, okay, okay, pretty boy. You're like, what are you, pop star or something like that? Um, He's just a very tall, lanky man who's very cute. But I don't know. Like if you saw Matthew Gray Goopler in person, would you think, oh, that's a hottie? I don't. I I don't know. Well, it I would depend if his, so. if his nails were long or not. His They zoom in <laughs> on his fingernails sometimes and they're long. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, he... I don't know. It would depend. It would depend. But I think that, like, is he my type? Not really. But is he a babe? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I do really like the whole Cat Adams read kind yes. of like back and forth flirtation. Yes. Even it is truly messed up. Like, it's oh my just God. really messed up. But like in the last season, she asks for like a final thing to like tell him information. And it is, um, they go so on a that, date at a roller rink, at right? At a roller rink, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this is really, like, literally fan fiction to come yeah, up it with. Is, yeah. I line. mean, it's unrealistic. We're going to take this woman out of prison and bring her to a roller rink so Get she her, can like, reveal. Get her, like, a cutesy outfit. So, like, she- yeah. <laughs> um, there was another thing that was really heartbreaking, but, like, Rossi, every – Every birthday, he actually had to go to prison and spend it with this murderer who would release the name of somebody he murdered um, so that Rossi could give some closure to a family. Um, So that was one. I liked that. And I liked how that episode started out. Because, like, at the beginning of that episode, I just remember it because Poochal from the game is in it. He's, like, one of the students in this room. Like, Rossi and a couple other folks, including JJ, I think, are, like, giving a presentation to some students. There's, like, some new recruits or something. Mm-hmm. And this like comes up and then someone it's like around his birthday and there's talk of his birthday. And then we learn like about this tradition, mm-hmm. a sad tradition. Yeah. Another story arc that sits with me is like Derek Morgan's background. Yeah. Um, and just like how he became the person he is, the abuse and trauma that he went through as a kid that like set him up to be a cop will like kind of follow in his father's footsteps mm-hmm. and then also like his his cousin is it his cousin who goes missing and oh like they're gosh. always looking for her and then she's in this like really like abusive, abusive power dynamic relationship. relationship with the box mm-hmm. oh my god oh yeah. my god yeah and that's like and a he sees her. too isn't it oh yeah oh my uh-huh. gosh that that is an episode that sticks with me yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so those are the ones that come to mind for me right now and just garcia in general i really like her yeah, I love when we Other see Garcia the all the time. That she's like Penelope Garcia, but she's like the whitest woman. And then oh she has God. a Dia de los Muertos party, but it's only because her dad, her like stepfather. Stepfather is like, it's Latinx, like, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't enough for me. I was like, this no. is not it. Okay. Well, we actually meet her stepbrothers, brother, oh, yeah. maybe more in brother. that one episode because her parents were murdered. Um, her mom and her stepmom yeah. were murdered. And so that that's like a whole episode kind of in one of the later seasons. And she doesn't want the murderer. She's like, in her mind, it's like, you know, jail is not the answer here. More jail is not going to rehabilitate this person. But her brother mm-hmm. sees things really differently. And it's just like really, it's a lot. But it's a good episode. But yes, I agree. It's like we're trying to. It's just like a weird attempt to like make this show sound diverse, but not actually be diverse. Like what? It's well, weird. I, 
I think I shared this with you, but like originally when they were casting that role, they wanted it to be like a fat, I think I would distinctly like verbatim remember thinking like a fat sloppy man who was like the computer nerd is what they wanted. And so curious that it is who they cast after all that time. Um, And then, okay, I just remembered one other thing that I really liked. And and it's like the background behind JJ. So we learned that her sister killed herself. Mm -hmm. um, And then, like, they do actually a story later on that uncovers why that was and how, like, um, how – it was weird because they were doing like um, a Slender Man thing yeah. with that episode too. And they go to her hometown because that's where it happened, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just like this weird confluence of like, um, I don't know, kind of general cultural influences on like murder and then finding out that like one of her favorite teachers actually was a really bad dude and might have influenced her sister um, in a lot of ways. And that's what she's actually been oh carrying God, with her for that. so much of that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It was the teacher all along. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to stop because I'll just keep remembering ones. Yeah. Which I'm actually pleasantly surprised by how much I remember right now. You remember a lot. I Ugh. I guess a lot of the ones I enjoy are ones you've mentioned too. Um, I So I, well, actually we haven't talked about this. We did mention how Gideon and Rossi are like the two kind of godfathers of the BAU. Um, mm-hmm. But a couple of times throughout the series, we have like flashbacks to when they were young and mm-hmm. then Savage plays like a young Gideon. And I love those flashbacks. I find them to just be so delightful and <laughs> It, there's like a, I think maybe one or two, I guess there's probably more episodes, but like it happens at some point And I remember just like being so like excited about it. And then at the very end of, I think in the last season, um, Rossi's like trying to figure something out. And then like the young Gideon Ben Savage is there like kind of, you know, like a ghost in the room kind of helping him yeah. brainstorm or whatever. And I just <laughs> like it so much. So those, that's something that I really enjoy that pops in once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Same with you. I like the things that focus on Morgan, especially his backstory. I like, so he gets with this girl and then they get married eventually and he has a baby and he's still kind of around. So like we get to see baby pictures and stuff. What mm-hmm. I think is interesting is the actress who plays his girlfriend. It also plays his girlfriend in the show SWAT that he left mm. to be on. And God, I can't think of her name. She plays the character named April Savannah. on this show. Savannah. But what's her name? What's the her name oh, in her I don't life? Know. I don't know. Um, she plays this character, April, on the show Mistresses <laughs> that was on ABC <laughs> that I watched on Hulu probably during the pandemic at some point. It's an easy watch, um, but I liked her a lot. Anyway, um, so that was kind of fun for me. Oh, and then I guess like I love all of the Garcia and Morgan flirtation. I do kind of get a little in my head about it. Like, are we just going to let this like fat girl flirt all the time, but like not actually like get the hot guy, I get, but she does okay. date and stuff too. But okay. But, okay, but... I am still mad because yeah? the episode where she gets shot, right? Yeah. Like, it's because there's this hot dude who's flirting with her at the coffee shop and is like, I'd like to take you out. And mm-hmm. then she tells Morgan about it. He's like, Well, you shouldn't trust it. And it's right. like, What the hell? Like, Fuck why you, Morgan? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that actually is what propels her into like going out with this dude who ends up like almost killing her. Yeah. And it's like, So, so what's the story that we take away from right. here that like fat women can't have hot right. people who like them? And like, 
what a way to treat your best friend, Morgan. That's so right. messed up. So there's there's that. Like there's the it's like this is fun and I like Garcia and I like how she's flirty and fun and I like this all. But then it's like, uh, what's like the subtext of all of this? That like, what are the messages that we're supposed to take away from this? Yeah. Um, and I had this aha moment actually in one of our podlucks last year where I'm like, I've always like felt like this is like an like empowering messages, but like, oh my God, maybe it's like the jokes on me. And this is just like a whole mm. LOL at the fat girl that I never like internalized. I wanted to see it in a certain way. I mean, that could literally be an entire episode, so I won't go on and on and on, on, but like that's on my yeah. mind with all of that. But I think maybe this would be a great time to share one of my favorite things that happens. Okay. <laughs> so, I love a series finale. I love the nice little, like, all of the ends to be knotted off with nice bows. I just love it so much. And this series finale does not disappoint. The last season of Criminal Minds is short. It's only, like, six or eight episodes. And we're going into, okay, wow, I'm going to back up to go forward. So we're going into it in a season finale of the second to last season, um penultimate penultimate thank you um (laughs) rossi gets married at this like really weird wedding that like only his co-workers are at and then his best man like pre-pandemic too (laughs) real weird what the fuck y'all um and it's a very like um very dramatic episode and in that that episode there's this moment between JJ and Spence where they're like kind of under duress. Like they're a criminal is like talking to them and says like, oh, tell yeah. me something. Yeah. You're right. Like, tell me something true. That tell me something real. <laughs> exactly. Um, and JJ says that she had feelings for Spencer <gasps> and it's just like, what are you doing to us? So, so Soraya and your idea of like, are the writers looking at the fanfic and then trying to incorporate things? They sure were. And they gave us this. And then we're at this wedding that hardly anyone is at. And there's a moment between the two of them and it kind of like leaves it like what's going to happen. And then we kind of get a little bit of resolution the next season, which is just that like, they're not going to do anything about it, but isn't it nice to know that that happened? Okay, so we're moving she's still into married to William Lamontagne Jr. Jr. and has like lots of exactly. But there's this moment. Oh my god, I'm going on and on. But there's this moment in that last in that the the penultimate season finale um, for the season the season fourteen where like they're at the bar at the wedding and like he calls her Jennifer and it's just like oh my god. There's just like so much like tension and like oh like heat in the air oh it's just god i lived for that episode anyway so we're back we're back into the last season um that has kind of resolved and then we're working to just like resolve all these other little things happening rachel lee cook is in it and so her and spence have a thing whatever in the final final episode the series finale the one of the serial killers who's been like plaguing rossi forever is finally dealt with very scary they're having a a party that was going to be his retirement party but now he's not retiring at the beginning of this episode there's a little bit of like a mention made about how um elvez's girlfriend has left him and like when that happened my ears perked up i was (laughs) like are my are my dreams coming true is this end like this loose end going to be tied up will my dreams happen we're going through the episode we're going through the episode wait 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 i want to put out there that like okay we've talked about how flirty garcia has been with shamar moore's character Derek morgan throughout all of it yes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes 
But like ever since Alves came on, who's like has a background in the Rangers and he's like the very hunky, like obvious person he's who like came in to the, fill, yeah. fill Shamar Moore's old role. Like she has been very cold and distant with him. Mm-hmm. She like has put him at an arms like this whole time. They do not have the same flirtation that she had with no. Derek Morgan. No. And it's just not there. It's just not there. And there are friendly moments. And I mean, yeah. Luke is like at his fine. He's like fun and cute and sweet. And she just like, he's met with nothing from her. There is a <laughs> part where um, he has like, a, I guess actually some of the episodes where he gets the most play. I argue he does not get enough time and dedication in this show, but whatever. Of course I would say that. <laughs> um, he does have like a friend who comes and like, maybe there's like a little attraction between, between the friend and Garcia, but then the friend ends up being murdered. And we yeah. think that actually um, his girlfriend's going to be murdered. And that sort of the reason why like she just couldn't hack it like it's too much for her to like have to deal Good with there's her. some like Good flipping sense yes mm-hmm. there's some like when in the beginning of the series finale like when it's mentioned that he's now single there's like some just like quick little comment about like how that was part of the reason that their relationship ended mm-hmm. okay so that happens and i'm just like is it going to happen? Are my dreams coming true? We go through the episode. All these things happen. It culminates in this retirement party that's like not actually a retirement party. All of the ends are being tied off. Like everything is being done. And then we see Alves and Garcia just dancing really close and having a lot of fun and being like a little more like amorous and like a little more flirty. To your point, Soraya, unlike like she's finally like kind of meeting his vibe, right? Yeah. So... And then he basically asks her out at the very end of the episode and she agrees because the idea is like she's no longer going to be working at the BAU. And -hmm. it's like, okay, now that we're not coworkers, can I take you out sometime? And she says yes. And the fan fiction that's been written in my brain about (laughs) this relationship is just vast. Oh, my God. It made me so happy to see like one of my favorite TV fat girls like get the guy and like get the like my favorite tv crush guy oh my god i just clearly i've gone on and on and on about this i it brought me so much i was sitting up straight in bed yelling at my tv so excited (laughs) texting you get to this finale i know you're two seasons behind but i can't wait for you to watch this like oh my god i just i honestly want to rewatch it thinking about it now again it's just oh my god it was a good series uh, finale and I just that little that little thing they threw in there for for me and for all the rest of us who wanted that made me so so happy and like such a good point of like why we stuck with it for so long for that yeah. kind of culmination that has nothing to do with the horrific criminal aspects that right, popped right. Up throughout it like of course yeah. that was a draw for me too like it is intriguing mm. and interesting and um, a lot of other things but like yes that was like hard won hard battled characters who like finally have moments of peace and that's Mm -hmm. really what they did i mean i didn't love the series finale like you did was it too clean yeah and but that's like Mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be that and so it was just fine i think by that time i was so tired because i was really trying to finish it up before yeah you were tired of this show (laughs) by then Mm -hmm. i was like okay i get it i get it um i may have fallen asleep for a couple of those last (laughs) episodes but i yeah it's it is something to be like let these folks who have gone through the worst things like have some time yeah have some joy I do get it, though. It really did, like, kind of... It, it closed things off. I mean, I still... I could see how a reboot could slip in, you know? Yeah. It is very much, like, happy ending. I just... Maybe this is not... Sometimes 
so I was an exchange student back in the day. Sometimes I think things are very like German and they're not, but like, it's just, that's how I, that's the first time I became introduced with it. And my German host family would often say that like Americans are so invested in like a happy end. Like we just like need the happy ending. We need things to like resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if that is like the case. I don't need that in shows, but like I do, as you know, from like my going on and on about all these series finales, I really love that in the show. When everything's mm-hmm. kind of wrapped up, I feel good about it and we can just kind of close that book and move on. Yeah. Okay. We have been chatting for a while about Anyone this. Anyone who listens show. to us would not be surprised. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm kind of impressed we got this through this in under two hours. Like, wow. <laughs> Did we want to say anything else about like fat representation or propaganda or anything else that we really just wanted to put out there about our thoughts? Both are about bad. The show? Both are poorly. <laughs> well, propaganda is bad. It is, I've said time and time again, it is my least desirable quality that I like so many freaking cop shows. Um, I think we feel like this maybe could be a little different because it's the FBI and it's serial killers, but no, it's still cops. (laughs) Um, And in terms of fat stuff, I just, I mean, we've kind of, we were able to intersperse that throughout our conversation, but it does not do a good job. Actually, can I share one more story of like a, a really bad fat moment that this show delivers? Yeah. It's actually in season one. Um, and this was one that when I rewatched it, I remembered it. So this stuck with me the first time seeing it, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. There is a serial killer and he's married to someone and his wife <gasps> is fat. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I know what you're going to say. And there's this moment oh. where, like, Elle goes to question him. Or the, it's just he he's on some, like, long list of things. They When Elle goes out to question people on this list, like, they don't know that he's the killer. But they, you know, just in the moment where she's, like, knocking on the door to ask some questions, you know, Hotch and the gang are like, oh, my God, he's the one. Get Elle. Communicate with Elle, you know. So Elle is like knocking on this person's door. The wife um, opens the door and they're talking and she's like, oh, yeah, my husband's in the garage. And so like kind of directs her to the garage. So they're like standing kind of it sort of in the, the driveway. driveway. The husband who is guilty, the forger, he is like um, he somehow catches wind that the cops are there and he like in his car must have been in the garage. He bare, he breaks down the garage door, like just races down the driveway and he hits his fat wife and like, okay, that feels dramatic in a way that would make sense. But the way they zoom in on this woman rolling off the car is disrespectful. Mm-hmm. They just like took too much joy, spent a few too many, like, you know, a half second too much on us, like watching her kind of roll off the car. It's just like, this feels this is fat phobic. I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. I mean, just to say like it kind of sucks all around, but that feels like the <laughs> one of the one of the moments that really stuck with me. Yeah. And I was just thinking about like as we talk about the show, we spend so much talking about like what we were delighted and disturbed and like all this stuff by and then it's like, oh, yeah, and it sucks for us mm-hmm. and for fat people everywhere because it's still bad. And it's <laughs> I don't I mean. You know, there are some things out there that we could have been talking about that have good fat representation, but it's so few and far between that it almost feels like how can we – I don't even know how we could even consider a show out there without having this lens and without it being so disappointing because that just feels like the reality. Yeah. And I mean, while we do – there are a few show, a few – like handful mm-hmm. of shows with positive fat representation most of what we're watching and what we've watched throughout the years which is very much this right it's been on for so long um mm-hmm. it's just like you know it feels like 
anti-fat bias is just baked right into it, you know? And yet, like, it's extraordinary to have someone like Penelope Garcia, who is not just, like, the regular body type of most people on shows. And so we feel like there is some mild representation, but not really. But not really, no. Um, I would also say, because the show has gone on so long, I think the way they deal with a lot of things, particularly in the earlier episodes, is clunky. You know, like, when we're talking about... um, mental health issues i'm sure there's like some like anti-trans stuff that happened like there's just like the, yeah. the language they're using and i think honestly they're not necessarily trying to be super malicious but like things are phrased incorrectly and are also just like deeply rooted in stereotype Ooh, even in the way that like i've described some of the serial killers and the way that they came up today is not good right like it's just mm. bad and harmful and that's because that's how it was uh, presented in the show itself and it's like that is as much as we were talking about like PCOS is not an indicator of this a lot of other things that they right, decide right. are like like triggering moments for these people to do the things they do are not necessarily true so that's yeah just- yeah so isn't that this just kind of how we end everything which is like <laughs> we watched it all we liked a lot of it and also it kind of sucks and here's us making sense with it and making sense of it like I guess that's what it leaves a lot to consider You rely too much on precedent. You never allow for the unexpected. Jason Gideon. (laughs) So one of the best, worst parts of this show is its incessant use of quotes uh, to bookend each case. So I guess in following suit, sort of, that quote is maybe a good way to close this out. Yeah, this quote is just right for this episode because we're here with the unexpected in the form of a matter-of-fat adjacent episode talking about a show with hardly a fat person in sight. And when they are in sight, they're evil or bad or like treated poorly. So there <laughs> All you go. Of that. Uh, in spite of that, it is such a joy to be able to indulge in this silly, goofy project <laughs> with you, Soraya, and all of you, dear listeners. Uh, hope you like it, but also it's just a silly, goofy thing. So if you don't, you know, maybe just don't tell us. <laughs> if you don't, already we hope you check out our regular episodes from four full seasons of rad fat content you can also visit our website www.matteroffatpod.com for info about our podcast and more and as always find us on instagram at at matteroffatpod and if you love this pod you can send us some fat cash our way or leave us a review on apple Podcasts. and if you don't like this project just like wait us out okay season five's coming yes. and yet you listen to the whole episode so thank you end. thank you confusing <laughs> Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for taking time with us as we considered criminal minds as a matter of fact. Matter of fact.